Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. This is episode number 103, and all I want to be is me. My name is Alexander Holland, and as always, I'm sat digitally next to my number one officer on pod patrol. He's got to be the one called... John Maloney. John Maloney. And where are you coming from today that you're putting out your voice into the podcast? And where's it coming from? Well, I'm just back in my usual pod HQ. I'm in the walk-in robe here in Brunswick, Victoria. But it looks, it looks like you might have something more exciting it to sounds say. sounds like your life is boring. Admit this. <laughs> Please admit this. Apologize. I do. Apologize, I readily, to, the, apologize to the audience I, for coming to I them unreservedly. from a location. <laughs> I wish to unreservedly apologise to the don't praises. I ran, <laughs> them ran down. out of time and money and I couldn't come to you from a different location nor will I ever again be able to. That's it. The jig is up. We 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 got all those uh, new listeners because of uh, because of your foreign correspondent podcast status. Uh, yeah. Uh, Everyone was the uh, analytics were lighting up from <laughs> Seminyak to <laughs> Laos, but now it's just just the inner north suburbs of Melbourne. And I'm giving. And what you, about you though? Uh, what about you? Though? Oh well, what I did is I checked those metrics, and uh. we saw an incredible spike in listenership in Turkey. We're talking hundreds of thousands of brand new listeners. <laughs> In Turkey, we don't understand why. Yeah. I just popped into the Acast <laughs> analytics, and it said Ugh. Turkey's taking. Turkey. It didn't even have. I didn't even have to look at the chart. I opened the Acast, and a pop-up message <laughs> came up, and the podcast message window just said, "Turkey's popping off. Turkey's popping off." <laughs> and it just said, yeah. and then I just clicked OK, I, and the box went away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I opened Acast, and it just said. It's a basting, and it had a map of Turkey. And I said, what the fuck is this? I'm coming to you live and direct from Istanbul because of all of the uh, yeah. the, pod- the, the podcast. I've been meeting all of the Turkish fans. Uh, I was mm. welcomed to the city uh, by President Erdogan. Uh, he said he's a, hu- he's a huge fan. He, he loves our yeah. kind of... He loves our kind of crazy style it's a kind of he's a he's a really kind of loose crazy fun guy Edouan, and he loves the western <laughs> style we're bringing that's that's the impression i get yeah yeah and uh, they've given us our own dptm balloon now floating over the skies of cappadocia is uh <laughs> is emblazoned with the dptm logo which i really appreciate um I'm here with a few friends, but a very dear friend of mine uh, is he has been living here for a couple of uh, months, and mm-hmm. so we I came over for a bit of a visit. My first time here, having a great time. I went for a run yesterday with a little oh. running crew that I linked up with. Shout out to the No Reason 
runner's crew of Istanbul went for that classic run along the Bosphorus. I was on the European wow. side. I looked across to the Asian side. It's a great way to start Ugh. a Sunday morning with a transcontinental jog. A little transcontinental, <laughs> a little transcontinental jog. And I've been absolutely loving the history. It's crazy. Uh, uh. It's crazy. Those the kind of recent history of these countries that were uh. ruled by regimes that were tied to a particular faith, and then they get taken over yeah. by another, and then they just go, "Yeah, no, nah, we're not having any of this anymore." So, of course, you had you had the Moors um. in Spain, which was the opposite of of what's happened in Turkey, where it went from Muslim to Christian. And then over here, right. it's gone 500 years ago after the Byzantine Empire fell, the fall of Constantinople. Yep. And the Ottomans came in and <laughs> said 500 years ago, they said, this place with a bunch of dusty old churches, we're just going to stick a whole bunch of minarets up and say, gonna this place, it up. we're going to mosque it up. And I've been enjoying the calls to prayer. Every two seconds where I'm trying to just relax and re research the podcast. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been learning about Ataturk. I remember they loved when I was there. Yeah. There was a lot of, a lot of Ataturk uh, propaganda, I guess you could call it. They were, he's a national hero. Although I think he was a bit... He was a bit more of a secularist, so he might he have was. gone out of fashion. Well, this is the now. thing, John. He was the one who he was the one who took the Hagia Sophia, which famously was a was a was a a church built by uh, uh, I think I think the idea was started by Constantine. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, I think that that's about fifteen hundred years old, if I'm correct. Whoa. The Hagia Sophia. Wow. And then when I think it was, let's get my history right here. I think it was Mehmet who then conquered Constantinople. And he said, right. he said, I'm going to turn this Hagia Sophia church that you've built, Constantine, into a, yeah. into a mosque. And then it was a mosque mm. until the end of the First World War. And that's when Ataturk came in and said, this is all a little bit contentious. It was a church, yeah. 500 years of mosque. We all had a Let's pretty just... rough time in this First World War. Let's just make it a museum. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. and then in 2020, my best new mate, Erdogan, he came in and said, what are you doing out of Turkey, you fucking moron? <laughs> this can't be a museum. It's got to be a functioning mosque again. So now it's back to being, yeah. a, now it's back to being a mosque. Wow. I was there uh, probably about 10 years ago, so that was when it was still just a museum. And it was... Probably one of the coolest, one of the coolest structures that I've seen, I reckon, just because it's so ancient and it's got so many layers of history. So I'm glad that you're getting to experience it. Your life highlights have been Hagia Sophia and Federation Square, Melbourne. Yeah, I like the Federation Square, Captain Cook's Cottage and Hagia Sophia. <laughs> um, Ca Captain Cook's Cottage, actually. We, we might have talked about previously on the show, but somebody, shout out to Harley, don't praise her. He recently moved to Melbourne and he was asking me about it. Um, and it's worth mentioning as a Melbourne icon for anyone who comes to visit. Um, it was, uh, it was never lived in by Captain Cook because he uh, never lived in Melbourne. Uh -huh. uh, and it was never lived in by Captain Cook, even in uh, Britain, but it was lived in by his parents. and. What? So somebody in the 1930s thought, this will be cool. Uh, we'll just bring it. We'll buy the 
the sort of bricks and mortar and we'll bring we'll disassemble it all. Wow. And we'll bring I didn't it brick this. by brick to a part random park in Melbourne. Is it in Fitzroy so Gardens? This, it's in Fitzroy Gardens, that's right. So there's a there's a there's a kind of Yorkshire style turn of this, you know, sort of early nineteenth century, I guess, or late eighteenth century uh British cottage in <laughs> Uh, this garden and you go in and you can just have a look around. You can, there's a little bucket in there with old co- costume bits that you can, uh, if you want to wear like a funny wig, you can put a wig on, take a photo of yourself. It's one of the, it's one of the most wonderfully piss week, uh, tour- tourist attractions I think I've ever encountered. So while back in episode 65, which was around June last year, that episode was entitled 20th Century Silver Fox. And uh-huh. um, one of the topics that we discussed on that episode was the divorce of Rupert Murdoch and Jerry Hall. Yes. And a quick recap for those who haven't gone back to that episode or haven't listened to it at all. That was Rupert's, uh, you know, Rupert, Rupert. everyone knows. Roop, as we call him affectionately in Australia. Uh, That was Roop's fourth divorce. He was previously married to Patricia Booker, Anna Maria Torv, and, of course, Wendy Deng. Yeah. Um, Famous move friend Shaker, who was accused of having an affair with Tony Blair. Quite a a character. And I kind of uh, made some fun of Roop at that juncture. I was... I was... I was... And I love the fact that, first of all, he had been set up with Jerry Hall, apparently, at age 85. <laughs> and and I thought, you know, what what have they been set up for? Like, surely he's not got very long. <laughs> and they acted at the time they were getting married like they were kind of embarking on a life together, which I kind of enjoyed. Yeah. Because it seemed a bit delusional. And he was gushing about being the luckiest man alive and so on. And I thought at the time, you know, why not just be friends? Who cares? You're, you're 85. Just like have a have a friendship with this person. If you want to have sex with them, fine. That's great. Nobody cares. You're just an old man with a lot of power. <laughs> you don't have to go through these motions. And but he did. Bless him. He's a romantic. And then at 91, uh, they got divorced. That was last year. He was 91 uh, by then. Yeah. And that, in a sense, seemed even weirder to me because uh, he was kind of acting, and they were both sort of saying things that were suggesting that that you'd expect to hear from much younger people about, you know, having an amicable separation and moving on with their lives. And I, I sort of enjoyed the idea of Rupert having conversations with people about how he just hadn't found the one yet and so on at age 91. And that and was, uh, yeah, as I, said, I just that, need, that, Rupert's like, oh, yeah, I just, I need to take some time out now and just be by myself <laughs> for a minute exactly. and just, just got to figure out, got to figure out, you know, what kind of guy I am, what kind of partner I need in my life, <laughs> where I'm going wrong. And it's like, well, you better, you're on the clock. <laughs> you, better, you, know? you better be quick, Rupert. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then that was in June last year. Then, uh, Randy Rupert. Has found love again um, this week, I think, or in the last couple of weeks. 
And what happened was that late last year, he had a party at his vineyard, as you do when okay. you're uh, a mogul. And um, one of the guests was Anne Leslie Smith, who is a socialite. She's okay. a former singer-songwriter. She's also a former prison, uh, sorry, police chaplain, which I quite like. Ah. And um, and they met. They had a bit of a chat. Rupert um, gave her a call a couple of weeks later, and he described himself as being very nervous and afraid of falling in love again, which, again, I just found so <laughs> so sweet and so hard to believe that that he was like, oh, my my bless my tender heart it's can't it can't it just wants what it wants and i'm a 92 year old man but i'm in love i'm titillated i'm i'm giggling like a schoolgirl whenever i think about Anne leslie smith age 66 and <laughs> and, uh, and so they got engaged or I, don't, I suppose it was engaged in the last couple of weeks and he said that we're both looking forward to spending the second half of our lives together, which I love because just he's a he's a good personification of the benefits of just being a dog and optimist. And I like the fact that at age 20, uh, 92, he's gone, yeah, look, I'm probably halfway through. Sure, I'm willing to uh, concede uh, that. But, uh, but, they've, but they've gotten together. She, meanwhile, said, I've waited for the right time. Uh, which I assume means that she waited until Rupert was very, very, very old. Uh, but <laughs> they, um, they, they're getting together. And so I guess it's just an opportunity for me to eat a little bit of humble pie because I, That's um, right. I didn't, I didn't believe that he would find love again. <laughs> at, and I did, and I did think that his, his attempts to do so were fruitless, Boy. but I was, I was completely wrong. Haven't you uh, got egg on your face, John? Exactly. Um, and I liked somebody, somebody who was writing about it, uh, mentioned the fact, I, in fact, there was a, uh, I think a mention of this on Media Watch, which is a kind of Australian send up show, which made light of the fact that, uh, there were other, there were stories in the Murdoch media over the years of other kind of business moguls in their nineties who had gotten together with much younger women and were sort of dubbed by the Murdoch press as horny, feeble media honchos and so on. So these <laughs> these kinds of characterizations are coming back to haunt him a little bit. But t- I'll tell you what I would do if I was Rupert is angle for a cameo in the upcoming fourth season of Succession if it's yeah. not already done and dusted. That would be great. But... uh but he's too loved up to think about anything like that. John, you know, I love pressing play on Spotify and seeing what it spits out. And I love to be out in the world, opening my ears and my heart to the sounds that be flowing through the air as vibrations and going into the sides of my head and firing off (laughs) the synapses that make me say, this is music. 
<laughs> you know that I. <laughs> you know how yeah. I do this. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I love your <laughs> your you appreciate music on a on a biochemical level. <laughs> and um, and a song that recently came back into my ear and into my heart is a song that yeah. I really did enjoy in the year two thousand and seven when it first came out. Uh, and I really remember where I was in life at the time that it was popping off. And that's the song Hey There Delilah by a band called Plain White mm. Tees. Can you remember this song? Hey There Delilah. Exactly. I can't remember the words, but I do remember it. It was a Billboard number one song in the year 2007. It was actually a sleeper hit from the Plain White Tees. Sleeper hit being a song that was being a piece of art that's unsuccessful on initial release. But then consequently picks up a bit of steam uh, mm-hmm. later on in its life, has a second life, sometimes a third life. Yeah. And so I think they recorded it in um, 2005 and then it was maybe a bit of a hit. Suddenly it was maybe a hit on college radio or something, picked up a bit of steam and they added some strings okay. to it and then served it to radio again. It became an absolute smash. And it's quite distinct no, so- because it's, um, it's essentially a kind of guitar so an acoustic guitar song with uh, the lead singer, Tom Higginson, singing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as the song continues, a bit of a string section comes in. But it's very bare bones. There's no drums. Uh, it's quite it unusual when you think about it. Some as a years one. after it was recorded. Yeah, two years after it was huh, recorded. Interesting. And for uh, for those who, who haven't heard it or those who've perhaps forgotten about it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a love letter it's, it takes the form, the lyrics take the form of a, of a man writing what sounds like a love letter to a, a woman named right. Delilah. And you can't really yeah. understand, you don't really know the context of their relationship. Uh, it almost sounds, it's, it's very longing. It's, it's about her being away. So the, the, yeah. the first line is, hey there, hey there, Delilah, what's it like in New York City? You're um, a thousand miles away, but girl, tonight you look so pretty yeah. as you do. Can't square head shine as bright as you. I swear oh. it's true. And then it goes on like that about how, how he wants to be with somebody, she's far away, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and the song blew up, and then it turned out that he had written the song about a real woman that he had met called Delilah oh. that he'd never oh. had a relationship with. It, wow. um, and so that, that was an interesting story in the media because then people wanted to find out who she was and speak to her. And yeah. I remembered this at the time. I remember that there was, a, there was a little bit of talk about whether or not it was appropriate for him to have written a song like this uh-huh. about... I, I mean, the thing, that, the thing is that when he would have written it and used her real name, he would not have expected yeah. it to become a song that everybody would know all over the world. Um, no. And she's quite a distinct name, Delilah. You know, it's like not yeah, a very yeah, common sure. name for, for people the, in our generation. I'm, I'm sure it was kind of a fictionalized account of whatever he experienced. It's in it's com- to yeah, her. Complete, completely fictionalized. Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. She, but, she, but she's real. Her name is um, Delilah Di Crescenzo. And okay. I'd never looked her up. I just remember that it was about a real Delilah. And I remember stories about the real Delilah being slightly pissed off that. Her life had become people saying, you're Delilah from Hey There, Delilah. And that the yeah, song okay. would follow her around in the gym and everything. So anyway, I, the song came back into my life. So I thought, I wonder if um, if there's any information out there on Delilah. So I go and look up Delilah. And lo and behold, Delilah has her own Wikipedia page. Ooh. Because 
she's a distance runner. She's a <laughs> so which so her Wikipedia page is not up there because she's the Hey There Delilah woman. Her Wikipedia page is there independent of her connection to the song Hey There Delilah. So she's famous in her own right for being yeah. an athlete. Uh, I, I just looked it up as you were talking, and, and I got a photo which I was not expecting to see, which is her at the 2013 IAAF World Cross Country Championships. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and fellas and our ladies that are interested in ladies, let me tell you something. Tom had a good eye because she is hot. Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> Delilah Di Crescenzo is definitely my type of Delilah Di Crescenzo. I would have written a song about it too. So yeah. he he apparently met her through a mutual friend in the early aughts, and he was so taken with her and her beauty that yeah. he told her he told her being a real flirt that old Higglebottom Higginbottom was. He said, yep. "I'm gonna write a song about you one day," oh. and she went, "Oh, for sure." Whatever you just let me chase these steeples and leave me alone. Please don't write a big <laughs> song about me. And then yeah. he went away, and then he yeah, wrote the song, and it came out and became a massive smash. Well, and I just love that because I'm a running nerd. I just love that Delilah. I mean, fucking hell! If if I met somebody now and they were some distance running star and they were hot, I'd yeah, be like, this is this is my this dream. Is this is my dream come true. And I started thinking, who would I, like I was thinking, who would I write a homage to that, yeah. would, that, would, that would really express my feelings for a person? Because I liked <laughs> that Tom had written a song and I thought that he'd written it, he'd written a lovely song to an obscure steeplechase runner. By the <laughs> way, she runs a fucking, Delilah runs a marathon, a PB is two hours 53. That is, that's a good time, Delilah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so her marathon PB is under three hours. So I was thinking, yeah, if I was going to write my own Hey There Delilah, who would I write mm. it to? And I, yeah. I was, yeah. I'm thinking, I really, I need a runner. And what better runner yeah. to write a, an ode <laughs> to than friend of the yeah. show and man that I want to get closer to, Yulid Kipchoge. Elliot Yulikashogi. Yeah. <laughs> and so I had a bit of time this morning. And so I go, Carl. <laughs> so I, I got a Carl, I got a I got a verse and a chorus. Yep. Okay. And and maybe just for context, I don't have to explain this during the lyrics. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There uh Kipchogi marathon world record time is two hours. One minute and nine seconds, okay? Okay. So his record marathon is two oh is two oh one oh nine, okay? Yeah. So this sounds like the song's a little bit inside baseball. It's really uh <laughs> it's a... <laughs> And I might explain fans. some of the other bits. So it goes so you've got the little guitar bit that comes in. Dun 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 and then it goes Hey there, Kipchoge, what's it like in Western Kenya? I'm 4,000 miles away. And I am, I did the math. It's like <laughs> Turkey's 4,000 miles from his home city in Kenya. Right. But, 
Hey there, Kipchoge, what's it like in Western Kenya? I'm 4,000 miles away and I was just listening to Enya. Yes, it's true. <laughs> we could listen together, me and you. We've nothing else to do. <laughs> hey there, Kipchoge, do you have a favourite song from Enya? She's a lot that you can choose from while you're there in Western Kenya. Close your eyes. <laughs> listen to Storms in Africa, my guy. It's oh. absolute fire. Storms in Africa is my favorite and yes, song. <laughs> Everybody, after the podcast, or pause the podcast now. Put Storms in Africa on by Enya. It is. Yeah. It's a beautiful fire track. So just imagine uh, that you're out, out on the patio in Western Kenya watching a storm roll in. Yeah, to that. Ex- exactly. And that's why I thought yeah. this could be the yeah. Enya song for Elliot Ulip Kipchoge. So yeah. close your eyes. Listen to storms in Africa, my guy. It's absolute fire. Oh, you ran to 109. Oh, you ran to 109. Oh, you ran to 109. Oh, oh, you ran to 109. 4,000 miles seems pretty far for a Kenyan distance running star, but I have so much in your music I need to share. Yes. There's only time and Orinoco flow, Caribbean blue, so many more, you know, the world will never, ever be the same, and you're to blame. <laughs> that's, that's as far as I got. That was very good. That was, uh, I loved it. That was half an hour of me on rhymingdictionary.com <laughs> this morning. <laughs> I think that's a great, that's a great thing. If you find something that rhymes, then you just got to reroute the song around it. There's no point. <laughs> <laughs> no point struggling. Hey there, Kip. That. Hey there, Kip Chogi. I heard you're still in Western Kenya. <laughs> and did, did you know what song I'm listening to? You're right. Again, it's Enya. Close your eyes. <laughs> I think, and I think Elliot the Ulet Kip Chogi. He's. I think he could really like Enya, and I think he's gonna. He's probably. I'm would. pretty sure he's a listener to the show. He's going to hear that song that I've written uh, to him. And he's going he's gonna to say, in years to come, he's going to get interviewed and the interviewers are going to go, what did you think about this song that Alex wrote about you and Enya? And he's going to say, look, to be honest, it's been quite difficult. Whenever anyone think of me now, they think of that song Alex wrote. <laughs> and I really wish they would remember me for being the fastest marathon runner of all time. But <laughs> alas, they know me as... The Hey There Kipchoge Enya song you guy. Can't, you guess you can't choose your legacy, he'll say. <laughs> and, then, and, and then lean over, return to his photo op with Enya. Um, <laughs> he was at, yeah, at the 2025 Grammys on the red carpet. It's me, Kipchoge, and Enya with our arms around each mm. other because of our number one song. And Tom Higginbotham Crotham from Play My Teeth. And then Pete, I because like the I idea. Cr- of- I have to credit him for uh, as one of the writers. He's probably going to get fifty percent because the guitar riff and <laughs> general <laughs> general vibe of the song. So his general vibe. Yeah, I like the idea of journalists just harassing Kipchoge about this connection. <laughs> I think you could get. Uh, I think you could get somewhere with the original Delilah by just rewriting that song, but using. 
her actual accolades as an athlete as the focal point rather than just yeah. pro- projecting a bunch of romantic guff onto her, which is yeah, I'm sure instead what of, plain instead white of being said. a instead of being a real creepo with your unrequited love oh. and having and her having to yeah have people come up to her and say oh what do you think about that man who had real unrequited love for her and she's all uncomfortable because she doesn't really connect with it she didn't ever have feelings for him but she could be proud of the song as you say john if it just had if it just had all of her times (laughs) (laughs) various coaches that she'd been through (laughs) injuries Exactly. (laughs) Al, I just wanted to add a little quick story also in the vein of celebrity news. I'm sure that, uh, Many of our listeners, along with myself and no doubt yourself, have been listening in, watching the trial of the century, uh, which is, of course, the uh, trial involving the skiing accident that occurred seven years ago in Park City, Utah, (laughs) in which, depending on whose version of events you believe, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow either was... Uh, clotheslined by a retired uh, optometrist, <laughs> or she she recklessly and brutally skied into him and caused him uh, a brain injury and four broken ribs. Wow, he's a brain injury. Apparently, he claims to have a brain injury and uh, have had a brain injury and several broken ribs. But wow. her lawyers are saying that he's just that the the neurological symptoms that he complains of are pre-existing and are just right. a result of him being a bit loopy to begin with and possibly having gotten a bit old. But uh, he's trying to get 300000 bucks, which probably isn't that much money to, to Gwyneth. But, uh, no, that's a um, fraction of the goopy fortune. Exactly, but he's having a crack. And he says, he said, look, what happened was I was there in Park City, Utah. I was a member of a... Uh, I was invited along with a, a series of other people to a goop conference that was occurring at a hotel on the slopes of Park City, Utah, and adjacent to the snowfields. And he was interested in being a kind of goop reseller, I guess, is how it works. <laughs> and so, so Gwyneth apparently had samples with her, as you can expect, uh, that she might have brought to that sort of event. And she was um, skiing on the slopes, and she had under her arms some bundles of vagina-scented candle samples that sure. she was going to distribute to the conference. And um, and he claims that when she smashed into him, that he was struck in the temple with one of the candles. Um, and as I said, that caused an acquired brain injury, but also it caused... A, a lasting feminine scent, which he claims has <laughs> adversely impacted his life and relationships. <laughs> and so, unable, unable to attract a heterosexual female partner. Exactly. Thank you, John, and thank for keeping us up to date with Gwyneth 
with Gwyneth, with Goop News. That's John with this week's Goop News. Goop News. <laughs> she, imagine, imagine, like, imagine being all fucked up from having some idiot ski into you and looking up and it was Gwyneth Paltrow. I know. I know. And apparently he's been kind of obsessed with this ever since, which, I mean, that's what her lawyers say, which I'm sure is a, is a way to insinuate that he just wants either some kind of fame or notoriety or money from yeah. her. Um, but I hope that she gets Chris Martin in as a character reference, as a character witness. <laughs> Maybe he can attest to her skiing abilities. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see where it goes. And just quickly before we go, uh, just quickly before we go this week as well. Yeah. Our old mate, Brian Johnson, who we focused on in episode 100, <laughs> yeah. the man who's going to live forever. Brian, yeah. I'm going to live forever. Uh, he <laughs> has been getting more media attention recently. And when I just noticed that when we did that 100th episode, I followed him on Instagram around that time or maybe a week mm. before. And he had something like 30,000 Instagram followers and he was not particularly active. I checked back like two, two and a half, three weeks later. And he's he's gained over a hundred thousand followers on Instagram oh, shit. in in less than a month, which is just that's an insane amount of followers. So a lot of people are tuning into that blueprint news. They want to see yeah. the world's weirdest man continue to defy <laughs> aging. Spend and he he posted on uh, sorry he posted on Instagram this morning that he's added some kind of swimming regime to the blueprint. Uh, okay, reverse aging process. Is- Blueprint is his name for the kind of regime that Correct. he's got going to de Is that right? I love that it's. I love that the blueprint is dynamic. Oh, wow. That he's adding and subtracting things, and he keeps it up to date mm. on his Instagram. That he says, "Look, I've added swimming," and yeah. I keep writing to him and curling. saying, "Yeah, he's added. He's added curling and swimming for lung capacity and lung health." And I keep writing to the Instagram and saying, please give us an update on the rectum and penis because these are the, they're the only two parts of the blueprint that I'm interested in de-aging. They're, <laughs> yeah, the only two, exactly. they're the only two bits that I can ever hope to afford to be able to de-age. And I like, he just posts about his lungs and I'm like, I'm yeah. interested in this. What are you doing? What are you doing to the, to the downstairs region? <laughs> Is that, are you swimming? Do I need to be doing some swimming for that? Yeah. What do I need? What blueprint tips do I need? What's the best physical, what's the best sport for yeah. de-aging my pemis? <laughs> <laughs> but um, he's getting, he's getting, uh, it's difficult to tell whether or not he's deliberately being weird because it just worked. Like everybody understands that if you want to get media attention, just be weird and uh, and you know, upset people. He's posting like, have you have you checked him recently? I said you no, don't want him. As, we're t- as you're talking, I'm fubbing you by looking at his uh, and he's got these latest me. post. His latest funding you, yeah. His latest post is is one that you'd already sent me, which is yes. wonderful. Uh, which just begins stripped naked of mind, and then it has uh, <laughs> has a sort of meditation. And it's got a series of photos of him. I must admit, looking very, very sculpted physically. Yeah, he he's, uh, has a beautiful body. I think he has about mm. ten, slightly less than ten percent body fat. Um, oh. Yeah, but what are you seeing there? What what kind of what clothes does I'm he seeing, have on? 
I'm seeing that he's got no clothes and he looks very, <laughs> he looks like a kind of Renaissance statue come to life, which I'm sure is the effect he's trying to create. He's got a white sheet behind him and he's sitting on a pedestal. Yes. And he's just sitting direct cheek to pedestal, no clothing. Perhaps, and perhaps. He's quite a pallid man. Perhaps sitting on a pedestal is how you de-age the rectum. That's why he's yeah, doing that. Maybe. It compels it compels tautness of cheek. Uh, <laughs> he's very moist, isn't he? Like he's got a wetness, yeah. He he's has got a, a deep f- wetness, Brian. There is <laughs> I think part of the blueprint is just injecting moisture into all parts of the body. Because every time you see him, there's yeah. there's nothing dry about Brian. <laughs> he slips, slips, he slips, dry. sliding backwards in age. Yeah, yeah, and he's um, he's also just got a series of kind of quirkier memes. Um, and in some of them, he has a little uh, sort of rat's tail style ponytail, which I think I would advise against if I was in his <laughs> PR team. But that's his choice. Um, we'll keep. So yeah. So we'll keep keep on we'll that. Keep I mean, it's honestly, it's a fa- he's a favourite of mine, and I'm very grateful to you for introducing. And it's him an absolute and to the show. Yeah. It's, you're welcome, guys. And I want to thank my Don Prezer Scott Robertson who who sent him to me and said, "This is a man that you're going to love out. He's everything oh. that you're going to need when you're low on content." And I said, yeah. "That's so true. We could just we could just pivot the podcast to the Brian Johnson blueprint cast." We could <laughs> every could. every week we could just read out his weekly stats, his, his yeah. measurements of of all of uh, all of his metrics, all of his readings. <laughs> Start off with and then Brian's welcome then, to bl- welcome to the blueprint guys. I know this was top pricing machine, but we're going to say welcome to the blueprint podcast. It's the weekly podcast. We give you an update on what's happening in the life of Brian Johnson. And the blueprint, <laughs> and we'll start like the weather, and we'll start with this week's readings. Yeah, rectum. We'll do sort of head to toe, go like, and then so about halfway through, it's like, it's that point uh, each week which you've all waited for the report on Brian's rectum and penis, <laughs> and then have, maybe we can do a have, comparative analysis of our own attempts to de-age <laughs> our junk. How <laughs> have to do. How distended are my balls? Have they become any less distended? <laughs> Al, Al's coming to us in a in a little bit of a low mood because his because of his satchel chemical peel went a little bit wrong this morning, and he's not sitting he's not sitting very comfortably. <laughs> Thanks so much, Virginia, in episode number 103 of the What a fantastic episode it's been. We've absolutely loved talking to you about media mogul Rupert Murdoch finding love once again and against the odds at the age of 92. Uh, we at DPTM are eating humble pie with tears streaming down our faces as we watch the new love of Rupert Murdoch blossom into a long and lasting marriage. And we absolutely love Hearing the story behind 2007 Sleeper hit Hey There Delilah from Plain White Tees. 